0: Welcome to Breathe Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up to date information on trading, nutrition, lifestyle, and business with your host, Helder Barroso.
1: What's
0: going on, guys? Welcome to episode 14 of the Breathe Success Radio. Today, I'm excited to have on the podcast Vicky Massetta. Now, I've known Vicky for a while. Um, We met when we actually started working together. She wanted me to coach her uh, for her bodybuilding competition. Uh, We worked together for about two years on and off. And uh, we built a great relationship. And I wanted to have Vicky on the podcast because uh, we wanted to cover eating disorders or, or disordered eating. And Vicky has had a huge amount of experience with this because she suffered with it herself. And it's something that we had to work with when we first started working together. So Vicky's now a coach herself. She coaches a lot, a lot of athletes, um, strong men, strong women. So uh, I think you really enjoy the podcast. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode. Today, I'm really excited to have on board with me Vicky. Vicky, what should, how do you pronounce your surname? I'm never quite sure.
2: <laughs> How um, many years have we known each other I don't Masita.
0: Masita. See, I was going to say Maseta, so I'm glad you yeah. uh, didn't say it. Perfect.
2: So Vicky Masita,
0: like, I've known Vicky now for a few years, probably going about eight, nine years, I'd say.
2: Oh, God, yeah. Getting on there, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I uh, first came across Vicky a year, so like I said, about eight, nine years ago when we started working together. Yeah. Uh, I coached Vicky for a, for a bit. Um. At the time, Vicky wasn't involved in the fitness industry as a coach. I remember you were working for the NHS, right? That's right. That's correct. At the time. And then I know that you've quit that and you've gone into the fitness world and you've gone on your own journey as a coach, which is amazing. It's been amazing to see as well your growth from the time we've met to where you are today. It's been absolutely fantastic. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to the, to the listeners and tell them a little bit more about you, who you are, where you've come from. That will be amazing. Sure,
2: so uh, as Helda says, I am Vicky Masita, my Instagram and all the rest of it that I'm known for or known about is the Tiny Titan, Um, that nickname just kind of came about because my husband was taking the piss one day and I was like, do you know what, I'm going to use that because it's a brilliant name Um, and then it just kind of stuck so I was known as the Tiny Titan. I'll call you you the Tiny
0: Pocket Rocket.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right, the Pocket (laughs) Rocket or the Tiny Titan, that's right. Um, So as Helda said, um, I am a qualified and fully registered and still practicing adult nurse with specialty in orthopaedic surgery and GI disorders. Um, I only actually practice two days a month now just to keep my registration up. So I just do that on the bank. Um, And I think it is really good to do that because it keeps me front facing with a lot of the patients and um, up to date with all of the new medications and things like that that are out there. And especially with things like GI disorders, I think it's really important to know about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you start working with people in terms of their nutritional intake, and they have some problems like bloating or maybe some skin disorders or if they're lactose intolerant or celiac, for example, it's really beneficial to know about these new drugs that are coming out because there are so many new ones now. You know, you can get lost in in medicine. Um, So that's my kind of like medical background um, professionally, I am a registered by, via the IOPN um, Sports Performance Nutrition. So um, I am a sports performance nutritionist, um, and I primarily deal with athletes all across the world from various different sporting backgrounds. Um, predominantly, I am working in the strength sports, so uh, powerlifters and strongmen are my guys and girls of choice, um, just because I know how to optimally fuel them for their um, particular endeavors. Um, But I also deal with bodybuilders and general population clients as well, as well as a few athletes who are like Tour de France cyclists and basketball players and footballers and stuff like that. But strength sports is my bag because that obviously is what I love doing. Um, In terms of what I do for my sport, um, I am obviously a competing bodybuilder. I'm a British champion bodybuilder as well back in the day. Uh, which was back in 2017, um, and I'm also a British bench champion. Um, I'm only a bench-only uh, bench lifter in the under-52 category, um, and I hold a British bench record, um, which is quite cool, to say really? the least. Um, but other than that, that's about me. I just love all different types of um, sports and energy systems and how the human body and the human mind work collectively as one, um, and I coach holistically, so so that's a bit about me, I suppose.
0: Awesome. So, I remember when we first started working together back all those years ago. um, Mm -hmm. We had a a couple of issues with you with your background before bodybuilding, Uh, and this is what I wanted to touch on today. I want this podcast today to be a a bit more about that and touching to the world of of um, um, basically people who suffer with eating disorders. Yeah, uh, which is. It's it's a very uh, for me it's hard to talk about because I've never suffered with that I think to be honest with you I think I have yeah yeah I've never, been, never been diagnosed mm. um, I'm a lot better today than I was years and years ago when I was in bodybuilding um, but I didn't suffer prior to bodybuilding uh, mm. an and I still don't know whether it's an eating disorder or not or whether it's just something that we go through as bodybuilders sure uh, and I know that you you've you've been through it I know that you coach people who have who go through it so I just. Want you to maybe touch a little bit on your journey through uh, eating disorders, how you came about, what you did about it, to to the point where you are today, where you're coaching people that suffer those issues, and how you managed to overcome it, really.
2: Yeah. So um, it's a bit of an interesting one, realistically, because I never actually thought an eating disorder could be brought around by a flippant remark that can be given by a loved one. And that is exactly how my eating disorder started. I was nine years old. In fact, I was a little bit late earlier than that because I was diagnosed at nine. Um, So I was eight years old. And um, I was play fighting with my brother and my dad in the living room. And my dad pushed me over and I landed on my bum. And I just kind of grabbed my bum and I went, oh my God, my bum hurt, you know, and that kind of thing. And my dad just kind of went, well, it's all right. You've got enough padding. Yeah. And it was just a flippant kind of like in the moment remark and you yeah. that was that. And it was all of a sudden, that's what kind of flicked a switch in my brain. And yeah. it was. And at eight years old, I remember it so vividly. Because that night, it was after dinner that we were playing, but we were play fighting, but that night my mum had bought like strawberries and meringue and cream and stuff like that to have for a pudding and I refused to have it, I just didn't want it because I, I knew that that would cause me to get fatter and yeah. my dad had already said that I had enough padding on my ass, so I didn't need to have any more. Um so I remember everybody else having this dessert and I just sat on the top of the stairs and I was crying and I was eating a banana, but because I just thought, well, I need to have a pudding, yes. but I can't have one that's very, very highly calor- calorific. So I'll just, I'll sit there and do that. Now my mum picked up on the fact that that was upsetting um, and she told my dad to go and apologise to me. And he grabbed hold of me in this big bear hug and he just kind of went, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like it was a big jovial jest. And it was, you know, it was just a flippant remark. But the fact is, is that that apology didn't mean anything to me because it was just taken in jest. And to me, it was, it was said very, very seriously. Yeah. So that's the first point that I would actually say I really want people to take away from that. Um, it doesn't matter whether you mean something in jest. But just be very careful with what you say to people because it can really trigger something, and especially at such a tender age. Yeah, you know, children these days. I don't know if you've seen them held up, but ten-year-olds look like eighteen-year-olds, and that freaking TikTok on social media—that needs
0: banning. I think it's probably more emphasised now at this age than it was at your age, right? Because now there is so mm-hmm. much more out there, so much fakeness. Out. Completely.
1: Uh, Completely.
2: You know, these- now
0: probably aspire to look like that.
2: Exactly. These young girls are looking at these London people and they've got extensions and fake eyelashes and fake lip fillers and fake this and fake that. And it's just like, who are you? Mm. When you take all of that away, who you actually are. Mm. And I did think about this, you know, when you invited me on the podcast and I thought, oh, shit, you know, you're going to be looking at me. I'm going to be on a YouTube video. People are going to see what I look like and that Mm. kind of thing. And I just thought, but... This is me anyway. You know, if people yeah. are listening to this and they can't actually see my face, I've got no makeup on. I don't have my hair extensions in or anything like that. I'm just in my bedroom and I'm chilling out and I'm in my slobbies, you know, Beautiful. because I've, it's, it's me, you know, it's yeah. who I am. And I don't need people to admire who I am because of what I look like.
1: Yeah.
2: Because, you know, who I am as a person is not represented on the outside at the end of the day. I'm just 100% me natural and natural and no bullshit. And this yeah. is me, no bullshit um but yeah we digress from that side of things so yeah so that was the first kind of thing that kind of um started rolling it all off
1: yeah
2: um so it kind of progressed from there and I was purposely kind of abusing laxatives I was um hiding food I was putting food in my mouth when we ate around the dinner table and then pretending that I needed to go to the toilet and then just spat it all out Um, so there was a lot of things like that, that I was doing when my mom finally realized that I was losing quite a lot of weight visually, you know, and for a nine year old, it's, it's quite difficult to see. Um, but I was visually losing weight quite a lot. So she took me to the doctors and, um, they were weighing me and things and I was losing on average about two pounds a week.
1: Hmm. So,
2: um, I mean, they put me through loads of tests as well. And I was just so stupid yeah, I just endured all of these tests, which is just ridiculous. Um, until they finally figured out that obviously I was doing this to myself and they told me not to take laxatives and not to do this and not to do that. Of course, in one ear and out the other is, that's what happens of an eating disorder. Um, so it spiraled out of control a little bit more from them. And, um, basically cutting a long story short, um, I fainted one day in school and that was it you know i was taken to the hospital they saw how underweight i was they put me on uh, drips and nasal gastric feeds and that kind of thing and when i woke up um i saw all these drips and realized what it was all about i started ripping them out of my arms and ripping them out of my nose and things mm. um now i was never sections because they couldn't do that at that point so i was never sections but i remember this doctor um and i remember his name i'm not going to say it because of yeah. protection or i don't know what if you can do it or not but you know mm. um, but he grabbed hold of my face and, you know, for a doctor to do that, at that point, it was like, shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, doctors will not do that these days. <laughs> they, they won't physically restrain you. So this is obviously back in, back in back when they could do it. But he, he was only a young doctor. Um, he was part of doing his residency and he grabbed hold of my face and he said, if you do not stop, you are going to die. Um, and then that was that. That just, again, flicked a switch. And I just kind of thought, shit, okay, I need to do something about this. Because I How don't want
1: to do
0: like... then. Say again? How old were you then? Oh, God, about 14. Okay. So this is going on from the age of nine, eight to 14 now.
2: Yeah. Good. Yeah. Eight until 14. Um, and it was at that point where I just thought, I I don't want to die. So, and I don't, I especially don't want to die if I'm going to, like, physically kill myself. Hmm. Like not eating and the thing was is that I loved food yeah. I still love food you know yeah. I'm a massive foodie so again this just kind of like it switched and it wasn't the fact I never saw food in the same way for a good number of years after that um because I saw food as nutrition I saw food as being alive and that's the only reason why I ate it so I wanted to I started reading so much about food I mean I knew everything that was in every single piece of food that you could know about you tell me how many grams of fat there are in a rice cake I will be able to tell you you know straight out and mm-hmm. I mean it's what makes me very very good at designing diet plans for people um because most you know the majority of PTs out there are not allowed to write prescriptive diet plans by the way people so please don't actually go to it it's fucking ridiculous. Um, and yet yeah, people do it. People do it. And it annoys me to high heaven because I've had to do degrees, diplomas. I've just finished my master's. I finished my master's like five weeks ago. Bang, really happy with that one. Very happy. Um, but I've had to do all of that and get registered just so I can write these diet plans for people. Oh, and I have a medical fucking background as well. But then these PTs who do a Groupon course to get a level two PT course, they're just like, oh yeah, I'll write you a diet plan. It's chicken, yeah. and rice, and broccoli six times a day yeah um but that's another that's another
0: (laughs) podcast isn't it
2: i know yeah it's a different podcast (laughs) um but yeah so i just started researching so much about food and it was it was so much about nutrition and i just thought i need to get nutrition into me i don't care about what it's going to do to my body i just need to be healthy on the inside Mm. And that's exactly what I started doing. Um, And then when I turned 16, I went to the gym and I started thinking, right, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to treat my body really well and get healthy and learn so much more about exercise um, and started doing that kind of thing. Um, Met my husband and obviously I, I had a really good relationship for food at, uh, up until about that point. It was still scared me a little bit. Yes. I would never, ever say that I was, you know, passionate about eating. I just ate, you know, um, I just ate because I knew that if I didn't eat, I'd die. So that was exactly how I saw it. That's stuck in your head when our doctor did that to you. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's exactly, that's how I got better. And um, because I was threatened with death and it was like, well, literally, yeah, I don't want to die. So I better eat. Um, So it was, it was just ticking along very, very nicely. And then I got pregnant. So I got pregnant at 21 and um, me and my husband were obviously, you know, really elated and everything like that. And at that point, the eating disorder voice. I say that in like inverted commas. I never really actually talk about an eating disorder voice because I don't like to actually give it a name. I call it a chatty bitch. Mm. So anybody who I deal with who says, "Oh, I'm getting these emotions and I'm getting that emotion," I'm just and they they like to call it a name. I don't know if you've ever come across that with some general population clients. But some general population clients actually call their eating disorder a name and mm-hmm. they give it a label they call it Anna or Frank or Bob or what have you like that and I just say to you then why are you calling it a name it's that insignificant and it shouldn't have any kind of bearing I think me, no, if, that
0: it doesn't warrant a name I think because it's, it's actually within us humans we we tend to want to label things mm. like even, even if you look at exercises a Bulgarian split squat why is it Bulgarian? Yeah, yeah. You know, we call everything a name. We need. We, that's kind of how we, as humans, work. For example, mm-hmm. if we've got some kind of a problem with us. We need to uh, uh, name that, label it as something. So now we've got a problem. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, one of the things now, I've been looking into psychology a lot in the last few years. And you know, one of the things that I, I really try and hone to my clients, and myself, and people around me is the way you talk to yourself matters oh amount. completely mm. you no know, you if you said you for example you say to yourself oh i'm i'm uh, i'm crap at cooking as an example right like, well you're not crap at cooking you're just telling yourself you're crap at cooking yeah you know the more you tell yourself that the more crap you will be at cooking yeah
2: it's a self-fulfilling prophecy
0: yeah instead of saying you're crap at cooking why don't you just say i don't enjoy cooking therefore i don't cook yeah <laughs> that's it right yeah. We as humans like to name everything. We like to tell, tell, tell ourselves. So I guess it's probably an excuse, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. But I also think that a lot of people with eating disorders actually find that eating disorder a comfort. Maybe. And they find that because, but they allow that comfort to be controlling. Hmm. So if something is controlling them, they have to give it some sort of comforting name. I mean, if you think about it, right, you have a dog, you name it. You don't just call it dog. You don't call it bastard. You don't call it, you know, anything like that. You call it Bob or Cody or whatever, you know, you call it a nice endearing name because you love that dog and you comfort it. And even if the dog pisses you off, you're still going to love and nurture that dog. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And it's the same with an eating disorder. But when I try and help people with eating disorders to come away from it, I try to make that eating disorder so insignificant that it does not warrant any of their time, any of their emotion, any of their delving in psychological attachment to it. So we call it something demeaning and something that you don't want to be associated with. So um, like, for example, a chatty bitch, you know, that nobody wants to be around a chatty bitch. Nobody wants to have something that, that is like grinding at them that many times or that throughout the day. So it's just like, yeah, OK, the chatty bitch is noisy today. So all you've got to do is shout fucking louder. Mm-hmm. and that's the point you are in control of that chatty bitch the entire time yes all right might egg you on yes all right it might feel bloody horrible for a first couple of weeks but the sooner and later you start actually saying no that is a chatty bitch no i am in fucking charge of it and mm-hmm. no i do want to control it rather than it control me you start to get better mm-hmm. um so take away the label take away the nicety take away the fact that you are acknowledging that part of you because it doesn't even need that acknowledging realistically. You know, a, a feeling, an emotion, a situation is only positive or negative the way that you react to it. And some situations don't even need a reaction, some emotions can just be ignored. And that's what I try to symbolize about it. And that's exactly what I did by thinking, Well, I need to eat because otherwise I'm going to die. I ignored everything else because it was like, Well, I want to live, you know, and, and that is what kind of predominated over everything else. Now, when I got pregnant, it wasn't just me anymore. I was responsible for another life that was inside of me. So the eating disorder just disappeared. It evaporated. And as soon as I was pregnant, as soon as I was given that diagnosis of pregnancy, it was like, nope, that's it. And my relationship with food flowered. It was amazing. It was just like, I'm going to eat everything and anything that i want to be some days i was an asshole and ate everything other days i wasn't i just ate chicken and, and potatoes and everything yeah. else you know but i ate to what i wanted and i had never had the, a better relationship with food than i had done while i was pregnant mm. um, i had my first child eating disorder came back straight away why almost like almost like a switch
0: huh? why do you think that is
2: because I didn't have that excuse anymore. I didn't have that responsibility for another person because once that baby's out of you, yes, you still have that responsibility to feed that baby and make sure that that baby survives, but you can easily do that because babies aren't born with eating disorders. Yes, They just eat, you know, because they have that survival instinct. So they just want to eat but for yourself you look at yourself and you're like okay I gained like four stone and I'm squishy and I look different and all of a sudden that voice that you've ignored and pounded into the floor is at the back of your head and in the front of your eye line and just raging and that's all it was so I all of a sudden lost that love for food lost that relaxation and emotional connection with food and I just kind of went back. I don't need to eat today so I was going from having an amazing full breakfast and things like that that was really healthfully cooked and gave me all the nutrients that I needed to a piece of toast you know and then I started rapidly dropping weight again because I was breastfeeding the baby the milk wasn't coming in great and that kind of thing it all kind of again spiraled off from there um but yeah I mean that's realistically the eating disorder thing from me in a background you know i have of course throughout the years i will never ever ever say that i'm 110 percent um cured because you you will never be you know you will never be if you have been i mean you don't even have to be diagnosed with an eating disorder if you have an eating disorder you know about it you know you're either going to accept it or you're going to be in denial from it now i've chosen to accept the fact that i will always have some kind of disordered eating pattern I'm never going to say again that I have an eating disorder because I don't. No. I will eat and I eat a fuckload of food, like no. a lot of food. No. Um, but I will still say that I do still have bad days. I do still have days where the disordered eating pattern will kind of gnaw at me and I'll be like, oh Jesus, you know, I just feel so full and I don't want to eat anymore and, and this kind of thing. So just fuck it. I just won't eat. But then I will overtake that and say, no, but you need to eat. So mm-hmm. choose something that you want to eat. Rather than something that you've probably pre-planned into your macros, just yeah. have something that you want to eat instead. Yeah, you know, have a cookie rather than a bowl of oats yeah. or something along those lines. You yeah, know? and that's how you can override yeah. it.
0: Your education in nutrition now is kind of helped you with that a little bit as well, because now you know how to make those educated decisions. Yeah, probably so a lot of people that are suffering with eating disorders have no idea about macronutrients, about calories. They just look at a, 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 a cookie and say well no I'm not touching that yeah because it's naughty it's, it's exactly. bad so that, that I think that's a, another thing is education most of those people that suffer with with eating disorders are probably not well educated in terms Correct. of you know micronutrients what calories are what carbs are what fats is what fiber is and mm-hmm. I think that's probably a key thing in your part that's probably helped you as well right because you kind of can look at things and say, right well, you know what I know that I'm today I'm, I'm going to have that cookie but tomorrow I'll go back and do what I need to do so that i'm
2: healthy yeah yeah absolutely So my
0: yeah. like, training and all that do you think anything you your eating disorders got you into bodybuilding
2: um i actually think that bodybuilding it didn't um it didn't make an eating disorder worse hmm. but it allowed me to understand that i could control the way that my body looked and that made me happy because i could eat a lot of food and I could train every day if I wanted to, I mean, hashtag no days off bro, but you know, I don't train every day. Um, but I could eat what I wanted to. I could train the way I wanted to. And actually I could make my body look the way that I wanted it to look.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, and it is, it is an outlet, you know, bodybuilding is an outlet, but it's the same with powerlifting. So obviously I'm a powerlifter as well. And feeling strong. Once you feel strong, And that's one thing that I would really love to get over to the general population clients. Stop looking at the scales Mm -hmm. in terms of a measurement of progress. Because if you've ever felt weak, as in like an eating disorder, dragging your ass, having to faint in school, you know, and that kind of thing, that is feeling weak. If you feel tired, then you feel tired, right? But if you feel weak, there is nothing compares to that at all so the fact that i got into bodybuilding and strength sports when i feel strong and i can push a pb bench press that gets me a record that to me it surpasses absolutely everything you know that's that's like just you just want to aim to be strong and fuck the eating disorder you know sorry i don't even know if i can swear on this thing um but (laughs) terrible um but yeah fuck the eating disorder if you're strong then you know you're you're strong on the inside as well as the outside you know because if you think that you can get under a bar and just kind of say yeah I'm gonna lift that damn thing you know I'm gonna press it really strong off my chest you can quiet down a bloody eating disorder voice like that yeah. you know so just aim to get strong and it's the same thing that you were talking about by saying you know oh I'm shit at cooking if you say and you look at a bar and you say there's no way I'm gonna be able to lift that guess what you ain't lifting it yeah not a chance. Whereas if you look at that bar and you go, do you know what? I'm going to make that squat my bitch today. Yeah. I am going to make sure that that bar moves so fast out of the hole. I know I can do it because it, then, it's, then it becomes inevitable. Absolutely. You're going to be able to lift it because you have got that internal kind of strength knowing that you're going to be able to do it. And I know people are going to kind of say, oh, this is a lot of hippie woo-woo shit. It's hippie not woo-woo shit, shit
0: works. Not, not, the way you talk to yourself really matters in every aspect of life. It's definitely not mm, totally.
2: I'm I'm a huge huge fan, huge fan of healthy movie shit.
0: So, so you know, in your experience, obviously you you've gone through it. You must have you had a lot of clients that have gone through or continue to go through eating disorders. No, oh, yeah, totally all the
2: time. And I normally pick up on it before they do. Okay. So they'll say to me, like, say for example, I've got one client who is a cyclist mm-hmm. and. The biggest thing about her is that she's afraid to eat. Um, I don't get her to weigh herself because she's not in a weight categorized sport. So I don't really care. I look at her performance. Her performance is all about power output, speed, maximum um, heart rate, endurance, you know, and that kind of thing. So we don't bother about weighing. We have a look at her body composition every now and again um, because being a cyclist, if you're going to go on uphill sprints and that kind of thing, your body weight on the bike does matter, but she doesn't have to be a particular weight. So there is one point where we really, really needed to get some muscle on her and she was doing really hard and heavy rides for like three hours, um, in the morning and then having a little bit of a break and then doing some resistance training and another three hour ride later on. Now at that point, I asked her that she needed to eat back the calories that she burnt on her cardio output. So that way she doesn't atrophy any kind of muscle because she was degrading quite a lot. Um, and she was like, Oh, that's, that's yeah yeah well i mean all of that cardio if you do like three hours worth of cardio on a bike with her intensity that she was doing she'd probably burn on average about 15 maybe 12 12 to 1500 calories you know in a three-hour session it's a long time um but when i said to her she needs to eat back those calories you say to anybody you need to eat back 1500 calories on top of the calories that you're already eating that's going to scare somebody yes especially female. Especially a female. Sometimes, you know, that's what their daily allowance is, fifteen hundred yeah. calories, you know, depending on how small you are and what you do. So what we did is we actually did it at fifty percent. So it's like, okay, we'll eat you fifty percent of the calories burned back. So again, she was like, oh, I don't think I've actually fit, felt the need to actually do that, even though I'd seen her program and her, she programmed three hours worth of hard, intense training. It's like, no, no, that day, that day warranted all of those additional calories and you needed to do it. So I just called her out on it and basically said, are you scared to eat that back? Is it too daunting for you to eat 50% of it back? If that is the case, then guess what? We're just going to do 30% and we'll just gradually build it up very, very slowly. So... And it was, you know, she came out and said, yeah, actually it was, you know, I I had an extra bar of chocolate, but actually her macros were perfectly aligned that day. So the extra bar of chocolate aligned her macros. So she didn't eat back what she said she was going to do. Um, But it's that kind of thing. And then people who never quite hit their macros or quite go over them, they're always like that five, five gram under, you know, much rather be under
0: rather than over. Um, That's again, little red flags to me. So what, what what do you do when, when that comes up and you start seeing those red flags?
2: Mm. Oh, you... I approach them. I bring it up immediately.
0: And how do you approach them and how do they respond to you?
2: All depends on who I'm talking to and how I want to deliver it. Nine times out of 10, I'll start it with um, a WhatsApp voice note and just kind of say, oh, I've seen these kind of little things that are trickling in. Let's just have a little bit of a chat about it and see what's going on. Do you feel this? Do you feel that? And for the first conversation they'll come back and say no no it's just the fact that i don't want to go over i want to be on point you know i want to be perfect at what i do okay fine if it carries on and carries on i see a detriment in their performance and then i see the numbers start to recreate a little bit worse then that's the secondary voice note and i'm like right this is what's happening so now i'm going to call you out on it are you actually doing what i'm telling you to do or are you physically under eating why aren't you eating the carbs
0: are you afraid to eat carbs
2: and it would just be something as simple as that are you afraid to eat that certain macronutrient?
0: And if someone is afraid, what's your approach towards helping them overcome that?
2: We figure out why they're afraid, first of all. So what is it? What have they been indoctrinated in to say mm. that carbs are carbs are the devil? Nine times out of ten, it's people who need to weigh in for a specific sport. Um, because carbohydrates hold on to water. Carbohydrates mm. fill out your glycogen scores, they make you heavier on the scale, right? Mm. But the fact is, is that if we took all of those carbohydrates away and replaced it with fat, you're still actually going to weigh the same. Yeah. You know, you might just get an initial water drop, but your calories are equated. You are still going to weigh the same. Mm. Um, We then So we talk through that and we just say, right, what's, what's actually been the cause of that, first of all? Why are carbs demonized, realistically? So we'll talk through that first off. And then I'll explain the actual usage of carbohydrates and why as athletes, we need them. And if they're not an athlete or just a general population clientele, I'll explain to that general population why we need carbohydrates. Because uh, absolutely, it's a necessity. You know, your brain runs on glucose. So you know yourself, if you're carb low for one day or whatever like that, like say, for example, I eat 500 grams of carbs on a training day if i go for 500 grams of carbs and i don't have that and um i only have like 200 grams of carbs or something like that in the middle of the day i start to get brain foggy and i'm like jesus christ you know what's going on i don't feel myself i don't feel right and it's because your brain runs on glucose your brain needs it and what makes me laugh so much is that when you see these bloody celebrities on saying oh i'm going on the no sugar diet and yet they're eating fucking carrots and it's like that still turns into sugar you moron You know, it is, it's a fiber, but it's still carbohydrate. It still transfers into glucose and derives itself in energy. So it's all these people who just kind of go the no sugar diet, but you actually see them and they cut out all of these carbohydrates. They're like, yeah, but if you go on the no carbohydrate diet, you lose all of this weight. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. It's because you've actually taken out an entire massive amount of calories from your diet. If your diet was beans on toast in the morning, a sandwich at dinner time and pasta for dinner and yeah. you take out carbohydrates, guess what you're left with? Protein and veg.
1: Protein if and that. On that.
2: You know? You have just say, oh, I lose weight when I cut out bread. Yeah, because bread is 100 calories a slice. Yeah. And if you're eating six slices a day, Not then enough. boom, 600 calorie deficit in a day.
0: The thing is, I think this is a problem, Vicky, in, in, in today's world. I and mean, It's been going on for a while, as you're probably aware, is, is that, People say, right, I'm going to give up a food group, which you say, carbohydrates. That's typically the first one. I've, yeah. given, I've given up bread. I'm trying to lose weight, so I've given up bread. I've given up pasta and rice, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, they're going to lose weight because all that they've done is drop calories from their diet. Yep. And, obviously, as you know, carbohydrates, you hold on to water, so you also drop the water at the beginning, which is even a bigger drop. Yep. So the connection with the person is carbohydrates equals weight gain. If I remove carb- carbohydrates, that equals weight loss. Therefore, must be the card, must be the problem. Yeah, they don't know that it's it's a totally calorie intake and expenditure that actually matters. Yeah, this is where me and you come in, and this is where we coach our clients. Or we we don't just coach them; we educate them, and that's the difference between me and you as coaches, and most other coaches, unfortunately.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and this is the thing: we keep battling this because even yesterday, as I said to you, you know, you've seen the post that I put up. You know, you have a professor going on ITV, national television, telling people that eating breakfast makes them put on weight. And telling yep. people that if you train, it, it, you slow down your metabolism to a point where if you have a cup of tea and a biscuit, you put on weight. I, 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 seriously, I was listening to this on TV in 2020 from a professor. Mm. And so you can't blame these people because no. they don't know any better. No, so if, absolutely if we, not. And, and, and this comes down back to the eating disorders. Because, you know, someone with an eating disorder... We'll look at that as so, well. I'm not gonna have a biscuit and fucking tea anymore. I know. i don't gonna put on weight. I'm not gonna have breakfast no more. I'm just gonna not eat breakfast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm gonna have only two meals a day. Mm. Well, guess what? You're gonna lose weight with two meals a day. If you're not eating any crap, if you just eating two meals a day, you're gonna lose weight.
2: Well, this is the whole thing about the 5 2 diet as well. You know, it's just like two days a week, you're allowed 500 calories. No, but then the rest of the week, you can eat whatever you want. Now, I'm not being funny. That is the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life (laughs) because it's like, okay, so if you take the week, across the week, how many calories that you are going to take in a week, and then for two of those days, you actually take out, say, for example, somebody eats 2,000 calories a day,
0: and then for two
2: of those days, exactly, right? For two of those days, you've taken out 1,500 calories. So that's a 3,000 calorie a week deficit. Yes. Yes, all right, you might lose weight, but I'm not being funny. If I'm only giving 500 calories on a Tuesday, guess what I'm going to do Wednesday?
1: Eat a lot.
2: Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to eat fucking everything on a Wednesday, yeah. you know, and then I've got to do a bloody fasting day on a Friday as well. Guess what I'm going to do on Saturday? Yeah. I'm going to eat like a pig, and then on Sunday, because it's a day off as well,
0: I'm going to eat even more. And that just, that, 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 that just takes you more towards that eating disorder pattern.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then when people say that things are bad and this is good and that is bad and clean eating this and, and, you know, clean eating, it makes me laugh, you know, clean eating. I I never call anything clean. I call things bro. You know, if I want to go bro for a week because it makes me feel good, then I'll go bro, but I'll eat chicken and sweet potatoes and and oats and I'll make all of my meals still beautiful and nice because that's what I like. cooking. Yeah. But clean eating, what am I going to do? I'm going to eat it when I'm having a bath. Or, you know, wash everything with soap says beforehand, you know? Yeah. Fucking clean eating, it's a load of shit. But, you know, it's, it's, it's these kind of things. Mm, yeah, it was, it was all the bodybuilding world. But you know what's uh, what's worse about the eating disorders? Slimming world. Slimming world, Weight Watchers, all of these, like, little cult things that you've got. I've, I've got a client at the moment, and she's actually coming away from Slimming world, because... I mean, first of all, it's ridiculous because you have to go and, and weigh yourself in front of a, a group of 63 people at five o'clock in the afternoon. You after you've eaten, you've drank, you've got a crap load of food still, still in your stomach. Yeah. And if you don't want to weigh in heavy, then you starve yourself all day. Because, what if you're on you your period? So you weigh in a little bit lighter at five o'clock in the evening time. And then you've got this bloody guru who's the Slimming World representative who looks like a fucking melted candle because she's gone from like 40 stone to 10 stone in a day and she's done no resistance training. But then she has a horrendous relationship with food. So she's obviously like started to put on weight. Have you ever seen those Slimming World or Weight Watch representatives? Most of them are overweight. Most of them are overweight, but they're like, yeah, yeah, but I did lose weight. I did lose weight doing this little work. Okay, well, that's fine. But what about the sustainability of it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, so... I tried, a uh, while back, I tried to contact a Slimming World uh, representative in Leicester to ask her to come on my podcast. And I said to her, look, I'm not going to nail you. I'm not going to do any of that. I honestly just want to have an honest conversation as to how you see helping people help works in your world and then let's just have a nice conversation. She never turned up. She, she's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm really busy. I did then get a guy who did um, Slimming World, and obviously he lost weight and he put it back on, and you know, the usual. Uh, and and what, I, what I say to most people when, I, when they come from that world is, all that Slimming World is, all that Weight Watchers is, it's they're just packaging calorie counting in a different way. Yeah. That's all they're doing. They're putting in the calorie deficit somehow. So all that these two companies have done, the biggest two companies, Slimming World and Weight Watchers, all they've done is, well, we need to find a way of uh, people reducing their calorie intake, but they don't want to count calories. Therefore, we need to make it simple. And unfortunately, the general population likes simple. Unfortunately, the general population wants to go, to go uh, oh, I want that quick, easy way because that's going to get me there quicker. They want to go that way, not the hard road that it takes to get there and sustain that. They don't want that, unfortunately. I know. Me and you, we're gonna we're going to battle this, Vicky, for the rest of our lives as coaches, unfortunately.
2: Completely, completely. And it's, I just wanted to, I mean, one of the things that I really get annoyed about with Weight Watchers and with Slimming World and that kind of thing is the fact that they use different words to describe things. It's like, you can have five sins today.
0: Yeah, five, but sin, again, is bad. It's, it's connection with the food. is a bad connection, which is... Exactly. But
2: they've got milk as sins.
0: Avocado is a sin.
2: Avocado is a sin. Protein. You can't have a lot of protein. That's a sin. But then on Slimming World, you have these free foods. I looked in Iceland the other day. Free food from Slimming World. What of the fucking meals was 600 calories? I'm like, how is this free? How is this free? No. What, what is this? Is Do you have magical um, bloody elves that you're going to be putting into these packages that when you eat them, the elves just kind of go, no, 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 no. You can't have that. And they just expel it magically. No. Nothing is a free food. And negative calories, negative calories, that's another one, right? You can eat loads of gorget as long as it's raw because it's a negative calories. It takes you more calories to burn than it does for you to eat it. Fuck off. No, it doesn't. Everything has a calorie. Everything needs, it's a unit of measurement. That's all it is.
0: Yeah. You know? Well the only food that's been proven to maybe um work in terms of having to. Our body having to work hard to digest is protein.
2: Well, yeah, it's protein. It's got a higher thermo- thermogenic effect. So basically, protein is yielded at four calories per gram, just like carbohydrates yeah. is. But realistically, when you eat it, because of the thermic effect of, of the food that we intake, it still yields about two calories per gram. So it's still not negative calories. Of course not. Of
0: course not. You and know, you still have calories. People are wondering but, what the thermic effect is. It's basically your body's having to work hard to digest that food. That's all. Correct. We're, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's quite nice. One of the things that we use, with, for example, with clients, and I'm sure you probably do this too, when they're in, in the low-calorie end, we typically drop carbs from a diet, whatever it might be, if they're looking to lose weight. But then, because also protein is great for satiety, right? keeps us feeling fuller for longer. So yeah. the fact that Slimming World, wherever it says protein is terrible. Well, actually, that's the thing you should be promoting if someone's trying to lose weight, so they in, they're increase their protein intake. Number one, it makes them feel fuller for longer. Yeah. Number two, they probably burn more calories digesting that food than they would having a bloody jack of potato
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know what I mean? Um, But unfortunately, Vicky, we're going to be battling this. But my my problem with, with Slimming World, my problem with Weight Watchers, is not even the fact that it's a weight loss thing, whatever, it's more the fact that we are now having this connection with the food, that we're looking at food as a bad thing. So a sin, an avocado is bad. Well, no, it's not. And this is my problem. If we've already got someone who has a little bit of a touch of a food disorder or of an eating disorder, that's going to make it worse.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you think? Mm,
2: yeah, definitely. I mean, if we were to actually say, it's like, I've got a girl at the moment, actually, who um, I'm working very, very hard with to improve her relationship with food. And she's like, I want to get on stage. I want to be a bodybuilder on stage, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you know what? We've got a long way to go before I allow you to do that. And I am very brutally honest when it comes to that. Um, so if I, if I see somebody who comes to me and say, I want to get on stage, I will actually look at everything holistically and just say, right, have you ever done a stage prep before? No, Mm, that's one red flag. Have you ever, um, gained weight, lost weight, been a yo-yo dieter, had any kind of binge eating disorders or restrictive eating patterns? Yes. Guess what? You ain't prepping for stage. There's not a chance because when you prep for stage, I mean, you know it yourself. I was prepped back in 2014. Yeah, 2014, my first prep, um, and I was completely and utterly shut down. So um, it exacerbated my eating disorder.
0: That time and you came and you were pre-depleted.
2: Yes, absolutely that. So it was before we started working together. Um, and I, I looked absolutely terrible. I felt terrible. My um, periods dried up. I was completely um, amenorrheic at that point as well. Um, and it took a very, very, very long time for me to actually get that relationship with food back because mm-hmm. I was told that I had to earn my calories, you know? So I had to do fasted cardio in order to have 40 grams of oats, 40 grams of oats. <laughs> that was my only carbohydrate in the morning. Oh but, so I had to do fasted hit cardio and then I was given 40 grams of oats and that was the only carbohydrate that I had. What post do you, it, you post
0: do know today?
2: Oh my God. I tell you what, do you know? I was doing my leg day today in the gym and there was this girl who, she looks fucking awful. She really, really does. And she's being coached by this PT. Um, And I was looking at her and he's got her doing a giant set of a horizontal leg press, you know, the swing ones? Horizontal leg press for like 10 reps and he's put like so much weight on there. He's lifting it himself and it's just, oh, that's pathetic. Then going over to a hack squat, the V squat hack, which is horrendous anyway. And her back was coming off the pad. So he was doing another 12 reps on that and then going straight back over into a vertical leg press and doing 25 reps on it. And she was just there saying, you know, I've got no energy to do it. She was failing after 12 reps. I mean, first of all, that's a fucking ridiculous giant set to do anyway. Mm. But she was completely depleted. And I just looked at her because I was on the leg press and I'm there on my third set of like 15 reps, you know, and it's a heavy weight and I was blowing out my ass. But when I was resting, I was resting, you know, and I just looked at her and I just started laughing. And she just went, Oh my God. I said, You need more carbs, girl. Just looking at her. Yeah. I said, You need more carbs. Oh, well, I'm on a low carb week this week. All right. What for? I'm prepping for stage. What fucking stage? First of all, it's bloody coronavirus. There's no, there's no competition yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: But I was like, Okay, that's fair enough. So you're low carbing. Yeah, I'm low carbing. So I'm on no carbs this week. Zero sure. no carbs. Wow. wow. No carbs. I'm on no caffeine right i was like ah, no caffeine why <laughs> why no caffeine i was like ah, that's just fucking rude and she went yes i know and i did a night shift and i had to finish my night shift at two o'clock this morning
0: um and then no, her PT she's giant set on legs
2: yeah. yeah and her pt came over and i was like no caffeine and she finished work at 2 a.m you could have given her a fucking espresso that would have been a bit kinder and he said, oh, no, no, I've given it. that. You're making me out to seem really bad at this point. You can have a coffee. And she went, yeah, and I'm on 12 litres of water. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, 12 litres of water? What the fuck, man? So, and I just thought to myself, what on earth? And he says, oh, well, her sleep's disrupted. So I want to kind of mitigate everything. So she's allowed a coffee, but only one first thing in the morning. So it will help her sleep. I'm like you're f- you're a fucking idiot.
0: I sleep as fuck, but he just came. She came off a night shift, and now you're doing a huge uh, leg superset, which is going to fuck up a CNS. Yep. Which is probably going to fuck asleep sleep again tonight. Yeah. Twelve <laughs> and, liters
2: of water, and she's tiny, Helder. It's not like she's this big
1: steroid.
0: She's small Yeah, anyway. to because she's got so much water.
2: Teeny, teeny, tiny person. I mean, she doesn't even need all that, all that water. I have created some of the most amazing looking athletes who are bikini athletes. Not once did I piss around with their water or sodium. Do you know why? Because you don't fucking need to. You do not need to. Why
0: the hell do you need to load well, and, and drop? My last two or three competitions, I never touched the water. I never depleted. I never stopped it. I carry on. exactly As you know, you know we, we work together. So you, yeah. know, I'm, you know my thought process behind competition. I'm not destroying bodies. I'm about building bodies. That's always been me. Not that I want to compete. If anyone's listening to this, I'm not coaching for bodybuilding. Go and see Vicky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't come to. It's
2: true. I mean, I even had somebody who who messaged me for coaching the other day, and she was like, "Oh, do you manage water and sodium manipulations on peak week?" And I literally refute, replied to her saying, "Do why fuck." Because there's no need to. There is no need to. The only people that I ever manipulate water and sodium to are people who need to make weight. And yeah. that's only if they have a 24-hour weigh-in. Because mm-hmm. I would much rather take some water off them so they can stand on that scale for two seconds and go, guess what? You've made weight. Woo! And then, and then I fill them back up. And even yeah, that about, sodium manipulation... What about
0: making weight. Have you, watched, have you watched Kingdom on Netflix yet? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, you have to. Oh, really? You'll love it.
2: Okay, I'll have a look at it.
0: So basically, it's all to do with MMA fighters. It's it's a it's a series. Yeah. Do you know Frank Grillo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's the main actor in it. Okay. And basically, the fighters will have to make weight all the time, and they, they oh, you have to watch it. You're gonna love it. I will. I'll watch yeah,
2: it. it. Oh, I've I've seen some scary ass stories. You know, I really have with people making weight. I put up a post not so long ago, actually, because of these stupid people in the industries. Um, not yesterday, the day before, I think it was, and it was like. Just because you've stepped on stage once doesn't make you a prep coach. No. You know, just because you have made weight does not mean that you can fuck around with somebody's water and sodium levels. Because you, and it's dangerous. It is dangerous. The amount of, of new prep coaches that I see popping up every now and again. And it's like, yes, look at my stage picture. And it's like, yeah, you had a coach that coached you there. And you're not qualified. And you have no fucking idea on how to actually manipulate. If you somebody. know
0: what? We should get together, me, you, and you know, the people in the industry that we we know and we should create some kind of a body where you know like you know dentistry anything to do with people working one on one that's going to affect their health there's a body that looks after everyone and you need to you need to make sure that you're doing the right thing and they come inspect you and I mean, we need that in the fitness industry
2: we do but it won't happen it will not happen I it's going it happen if we get
0: way. the right the right minds together i think it mm. has to happen. because you know the people are ruining people's lives
2: Oh, it's ruining lives. It's ruining physiology. It's the amount of people that I've seen, like all this water loading protocol with bikini athletes and stuff, one person ended up in hospital from it. And I even have a strong man at the moment, actually, who, who told me about this nutritionist protocol a strong man. And he is having his nutrition written for him by a bodybuilder who has no fucking idea. And I'm sorry, but if you are a bodybuilder, your nutrition is different to somebody who is a strong man.
0: As, as a, a bodybuilder, body anyway, to somebody, should, you should be writing your natural plan unless you're a dietitian or a nutritionist who yeah. knows what they're doing.
2: Exactly. And this guy hasn't got a fucking clue. He hasn't got a clue. He was on, I mean, I, I work with assisted athletes as well as natural athletes as well, right? So, you know, I know about the exogenous yeah. drugs and that kind of thing. And this guy just said to me, he's got me water loading on nine liters of water a day. He's um, an 83 kilo, sorry, a, a 82 kilo strong man. Um, And he'd been on the same cycle, the same diet for like eight weeks or what have you like that. All of a sudden, this stupid ass nutritionist decided to put a boatload of sodium into his diet. And then from Saturday to Monday, he gained two kilos. And then he was like, oh shit. So what happened? And then this bodybuilder nutritionist just basically said, oh guy, I'm not even going to call him a nutritionist because he's a prat." But he just went, oh, it's it's the gear that's made you gain water. He's like, I've been on the same cycle for eight weeks. Why would it be the gear? Yeah, yeah. He sent me his pictures and he was like, This is from Saturday to the Monday. This is the rapid weight gain. And I said, Yes, this is what you called the sodium bloat. And that's all it is. It's salt. It's yeah. salt. If you put a fuckload of salt into somebody's diet, all of a sudden who hasn't had salt for like eight weeks, of course you're going to gain weight. It's like right. having all of your clean food throughout the week and then going out for a pizza. It's not the pizza, it's the sodium that the pizza contains.
0: Well, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit because this this is this will come back to someone who's probably listening to this podcast, you know, the weight on the scales. Yeah. For example, you know, this is why I don't like the weight, weigh yourself once a week. That doesn't work because no. if you've been perfect, like you just said, you know, you've read your all your meals perfectly well, and then you went out on Saturday night and you had a pizza full of sodium. Next day you get on a scale, that's your weighing day, and you put on two pounds. Yeah, that's not going to be fat. That's no. because that pizza was full of salt. Yeah, and probably bulk of food in your tummy too if you ate late. Yeah, so and if is- you
2: haven't been able to digest it properly as well, because pizza is a bit to digest.
0: Exactly. So, someone who's done those think, well, I've been doing everything right all week. How come I'm right? This is ridiculous. And then, then it affects their day, affects, and then they go and binge. And then we go, and then we go back to that eating disorder again yeah exactly the thing is right with with
2: weigh-ins and i say this all the time because i have it especially with women women are dreadful for it because women have always been indoctrinated into thinking that to be successful in life and to get a nice husband and a good house and blah blah you need to have the scale number on the, on the um scales go down it needs to be it needs to be low right it can't go it can't ever go up because that is wrong and you will be unsuccessful in life and you'll always be single and you'll be an old mother hubble with a load of cats right if you don't have a, a low scale weight. But the thing is with the scale weight, women's hormones will go up and down and so will the scale weight. But we will always have fluctuations. I've been known to put on two kilos overnight
0: one day, just standing on top and I'm like, Mm,
2: men as well, exactly.
0: you come up every day, it's different every day
2: because it happens it's normal it comes down to how late you ate your food did you go for a poo before you stepped on the scales did you cover yourself up at night or did you sleep with one leg out of the covers was your window open was the fan on so did you sleep okay did you not sleep okay are you anxious worried whatever you know Did you change the brand of your fucking chicken sausages from heck to like, you know, skinny or something like that? All plays a big difference. So what I try and explain to people about the scale weight is that the scale or or the number that you step on and have a look at every morning has no bearing on your day. At all. Literally dictates your gravitational pull to the center of the earth while standing in one place. That's what that's all it is yeah. and if you stand on that scale there and then move it put a different set of scales down it'll be different yes so it really doesn't matter what it actually does and we can only use it as one tool of measurement unless you are in a weight categorized sport i will continue exactly. to say that exactly. that's when the scale does matter because but then again that scale matters for two seconds yeah. for two seconds yeah. you know i've got a 63 kilo lifter who walks around and trains at 80 kilos and yeah. he's a beast but, you know, he gets down to 63 kilos. He steps on he steps on the scales for two seconds. He's like, ah, great, made weight. Now I'm going to go and eat. And he competes at probably like 67. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he'll eat and drink and all the rest of it. And then he'll yeah. compete. Really well. It's
0: a sport. So it's a totally different thing.
2: Completely, completely different thing. For general population clients, they're just like, oh, I've had no weight gain this week. I've had no weight loss this week. Okay. What are the variables? Well, I'm on my menstrual cycle. Guess what? <laughs> That's going to have a bearing into it. So again, Lack of education, people just do not understand it, and yeah. this is and what it all comes to you, down to. the The scales are a are a shit bag for eating disorders because, yeah. like you well, just the other thing with
0: anyone with an eating disorder that comes across my vision uh, or comes in chats to me, number one, scales are out the window. I wouldn't even allow yeah. them to wear the scales. To be honest with you, if you get to a point now where I feel they're far, far away in terms of they're deep into an eating disorder, I won't even coach them myself. Yeah, I refer them out. I do. I don't, I don't go down that route anymore only because I, I'm not an expert on that. You know, sure. I'm not a psychologist. I've never been through it myself. I don't really know how you're going to react to stuff. So, you know, before potentially I would have coached them. Now I don't anymore. I, I, I've just decided this is not, not my not my forte. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll either send them to a dietitian or send them to someone like yourself who, you know, has been through it and understands it a lot better than I do. Mm. Um, but I, I, I honestly think that most people have a touch of an eating disorder
2: oh yeah totally, everybody has a different relationship with their food Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, it would be a touch Not of an eating disorder we shouldn't yeah. call it a name No, exactly. I just think people have different relationships with their food. I mean, even my husband, he's, he's a bastard because he's not a bastard, but he is a bastard because he can eat everything and basically he'll be all right with it. But then every so often he'll be like, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to have a pudding tonight because I feel a bit shit about myself. So he'll, he'll have that and he'll go feel a bit shit. So I just want to clean that up. But he'll have those little moments when yeah. he hasn't been training because he's been busy yeah. and he's still carried on eating his cheesecake because he's a cheesecake fiend. But yeah. he'll then get back into the gym and it's he'll work accurate. out for like three weeks and yeah. then he'll look like a freaking 18 year old again. So yeah. that's the reason why he's a bastard. And then he'll carry on eating cheesecakes and he'll be fine. Well,
0: um, you've, got to, you've got to look at your husband's background.
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. So Scott was an Olympic gymnast. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And he trained all the time and everything outside. Like Scott
0: that. is already primed to look like that way. And all he's got to do is. Tighten things up a little bit and all of a sudden, he's back to where he was before.
2: I know, but it's just unfair. It's just unfair. I get you. I get you. <laughs> you know, it's just like, Jesus Christ, I just want to be able to do that one. But yeah, but I mean, I, I do agree with you. I do think that everybody has some kind of element of yeah a relationship with their food that can be improved on. I think everybody can improve on their relationship with food. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Look, even, you know me, like me and you both know a lot about nutrition. We know exactly what we need to be doing. Whether we want to lose weight, maintain weight, put on weight, we know what to do. Yeah. However, and you, I don't know about you, but even me, like throughout the lockdown situation, I thought, well, you know what? I want to stop counting calories. I've mm-hmm. counted calories for God knows how many years. That's just built in me. Uh, and I like to be in control of myself. But I thought, you know what? And I did it and I loved it. It was great. Yeah. But it got to a point where I'm like, well, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. I've got to go back to counting calories because I'm losing control. Yeah. And and because I'm losing control, I don't like the way I feel about it. Mm. So someone could say, oh, well, well, you're not normal. Someone could say that's that's not normal relationship with food. However, I think to me that is the normal way. Yeah. Because not- after so many years, I feel more comfortable, I feel in a better place mentally to count my calories mm. than if I wasn't, because it's gonna make me sad. It's going to make me upset. It's going to make me feel like crap. Therefore, I rather count calories because it's going to make me a better person. Mm. So, the
2: thing is, though, let's, let's put it this way. Just because you weren't putting your food into an app, were you really not counting
0: calories? Um, No, in my mind I was still... But I put on four pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because...
2: But was it just because you weren't held hostage to your phone. You weren't held hostage to my fitness pal. So it's just like, okay, so I've counted that and I've counted this and I've counted that. But you know what? That cookie with my cup of tea or my frappuccino that I'm gonna have, I'm not gonna count that because I don't need to put it in an app.
0: Yeah. But you know my problem is Vicky is like for example, let's say I've been really good throughout the day. Yeah. Oh
2: you've used that word. I've been really good. Yeah
0: unfortunately but that's what people use right so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really good throughout the day. And it gets to the evening and you know, the bottle of wine comes out and I yeah. have the glass. I'm like, well, I'm not counting carrots. I'll have the whole bottle.
2: Exactly right. I'm not counting it and I haven't put it in my fitness pal so it doesn't count. Yeah. That's it. And if I haven't written it down, it never happened. That's like video in your list and didn't put it on Instagram. If yeah. you haven't videoed it and put it on the ground, did it even happen?
0: But does that, does that make me have a, a eating disorder? I don't think so.
2: No? I don't know.
0: But I is- wouldn't
2: call it an eating disorder. I would call it more disordered eating.
0: Yeah, and I think that I'll always be like that, got, even with my knowledge. Yeah. I always think I'll have, and I think most people have that if they haven't got accountability, if yeah. they haven't got someone there to be accountable to, although they're not account- accountable to themselves like me, I'm accountable to myself, so when mm-hmm. I'm logging it, I'm being accountable to myself. Yeah. But like most people that I work with, they have to log it to be accountable to me.
2: Yeah, 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 for then sure.
0: They won't do it, and therefore they achieve their goals. Yeah, yeah. The problem comes is, have you learned enough so that when you stop working with me, you're going to sustain that?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And that's my goal. My goal is to coach them that so they're not like me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's good that you are bringing this up and it's good because it just shows that even perfect people have imperfections. Mm. So, you know, people actually think, Yeah, nobody's perfect. And all of these people that you see on um, social media and things like that with the booty pops and the boobs and everything else, like this is modeling this, this is modeling that, blah, blah. Have you ever seen models on the um, TV adverts who eat galaxy bars? No. They put it in their mouth and they just kind of go, but they never chew it. You never see them chew it, and it's because they're a yeah. model. They spit it out the yeah. minute that camera is off. Then they spit it out, and they, you know, like scrubbing their tongue. How dare they put? Made me put a piece of chocolate in my mouth. You watch it the next time that there's a Galaxy advert on. I don't
0: know. I've never. Known. Yeah,
2: yeah, watch it, and it's very interesting because everybody behind those closed doors has something that goes on behind them. So oh, yeah. I mean, I'm very, very conscious of the time as well because we've been yabbering for ages, which is been amazing. what happens
0: when you talk. I know it's
2: gone so quick. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I really want people to take away from this is that if you do think that you are suffering with disordered eating, an eating disorder or whatever like that, never, ever, ever shy away from it. If you really do think that you have a disordered eating pattern and you want to get it fixed, like like putting down my fitness pal for a few days or like tracking all of your foods and then having a cookie on top of it, but being riddled with guilt, you know, that's not the right kind of emotion that you no. should have, you know, just reach out and obviously be identifiable for somebody because you're not alone. Everybody no. has it. Everybody no. has something. How does it. I have it. The majority of bodybuilders, powerlifters, anybody in a weight categorized sport, judges, fucking home nannies, mums, everybody,
1: Everyone. everybody
2: has one. So just don't think that you're the odd person out because you're doing something different than somebody else's if you ask for a burger without
0: the bun you know that doesn't make you a carbophobic no it
2: might mean that you might just not
1: like bread
0: (laughs) it might mean that on that that week you are just reducing calories for the sake of you need it yeah or you just don't like bread we need we need to have control sometimes because we've overdone it a little bit before we need to make sure we we you know there's nothing wrong with cutting things here and there yeah exactly what are your current goals what do you want to get to so, I'm really glad you just said that because my next question was going to be you know, if someone is suffering with these kinds of things, what, what do you recommend? So, oh, yeah. I'm glad that you said that you covered it without me even asking. Well, see, I'm that good. That's why Vicky's that good, and that's why she's on my podcast. <laughs> right, Vicky, before we go, I wanted to ask you a few questions, okay? Yeah. Every guest that comes on board, a few questions because uh, it's called the Greed Success Podcast. Now, okay. success looks different in everybody's life. Uh, and for my four pillars of life is health, wealth, love, and happiness. That's what, what I okay. live by. Yeah. Wow, you probably know this all the years you've known me. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what does success look like to you in terms of your health? In terms of health? Yes.
2: Not having to worry about it. Amazing. That That's basically it. You know, health is something that should be... Uh, it's just it should be something that is inevitable something that you wake up with and be grateful for so if you are grateful for having good quality health then you're already a success at it already there
0: awesome and what does success look like to you in terms of wealth this is always a tricky one for people
2: it's not tricky for me at all. My wealth is my family. I don't give a shit about money. I am not a. Um, I'm not a monetary person. I'm not in it for financial gain. When I tell people my prices, they're like, "Jesus Christ, really?" And it's like, "Well, yeah," because I don't really see the point in ripping people off to make them a better athlete or make them better in terms of their health or mindset or anything. Mm-hmm. I am the wealthiest person that I know because I have a loving husband that I've been married to for five years. This year, we've been together for sixteen years. I have a fourteen-year-old daughter an eleven-year-old son who touch wood are the healthiest people um that i can see to the best of my ability to keep them healthy i've got a roof over my head and food in my stomach every day that makes me the wealthiest person in the world That is
0: one of the best answers i've ever had love it absolutely love it uh, um, this is probably going to be the same what does success look like too in terms of love
2: oh i've got it around me every day and i also have self-love you know i love myself for who i am it's a really, really important thing. You know, people can say, oh, I've got my husband or I've got my dog or I've got my pigeon or, you know, I've got my car, whatever you like. You know, if, if that's what makes you feel loved, then yes. absolutely fantastic. But you always must save that little bit of love just for yourself. And you your... If
0: you don't love yourself, how can you love others?
2: Exactly. You know, got to
0: be nice. Yourself. With that, 100%. And typically this last question kind of embeds the last three questions. What does success look like to you in terms of happiness?
2: happiness is the epicenter of your life if you say to somebody look at that bar get angry get angry at it you know and all the rest of it you hype yourself up so much with all of this internal rage that all of a sudden the bar doesn't move whereas if you actually stop and just say right think about the happiest that you have ever been just think about that happiness feel that let that warm. i love it i love it and feel you you can imagine how happy you are and then go and attack the bar Holy shit, that bow, you will become stronger,
0: more powerful and more related. I'm happy this has just made me. You know why? Because I sit there sometimes, half, and I'm looking at social media, unfortunately, and I'm looking at, I love bodybuilding. Even though I don't compete in it, I don't train, I follow bodybuilders because I've been around it since the age of really 19. I'm going to be 40. So it's been a long time and I love it. I don't miss competing, but I love the training. Yeah. And I'm looking at bodybuilders in today's world and they're having a fight in their head before they go and lift that weight. I'm like, what the hell? Surely that's not right. Because when I go in the gym, I'm happy as Larry, man. That's what makes me feel good. Like, when I go and lift the weight, if I'm angry, I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. But I'm seeing people shouting at themselves, banging, people smacking on on their back. I'm like, yeah. why? And I'm like, I must be the odd one out. Like, yeah, But obviously not, because you feel the same way as me.
1: Oh,
2: mate, I dance to the deadlift bar every day. I'm like, if you cannot sideswipe into a deadlift, that deadlift is not going to move. You know, you want to be happy when you're lifting a deadlift. You know, why get angry?
0: Why get angry? Just have a giggle. I'm talking about, because you follow the same people that I follow, and I just see so much anger going before they get into a deadlift or a bent over row. And I'm like, okay. Whatever,
1: yeah,
0: whatever swings your way
2: man that's cool with me exactly life is too short to be angry life is too short to be angry so be happy share the happiness you know be a unicorn
0: absolutely I, I, I couldn't agree with you more for me when I'm training if I'm in a place where I feel happy in my mind I'm, my training is so much more efficient yeah of course it is whereas if I'm pissed if I, someone's annoyed me my training session is shit.
1: Yeah, it sucks. It
2: sucks. You know, I would much rather be happy rather than just kind of think, oh yeah, I'm going
0: to get angry at the bar. Well, You've got to tap into that inside. Uh, monster of you if you want to lift. Yeah. yeah.
2: Of- <laughs> I'm like, I haven't got a monster inside of me. I've got a unicorn. i Exactly,
0: I'm like, yeah. Right, <laughs> <laughs> to finish up, babe, uh, what are the top three books you'd recommend to anyone today?
2: Oh, I missed out this one on the thingy, so um top three books today oh, I don't know um not the um oh, what's it called now? I've forgotten the bloody thing. it's not the how to make friends and influence people, it's the other one. Oh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck oh, that's, that's a brilliant.
0: book and a half
2: it's brilliant, it's brilliant, what? so the subtle art of not giving a fuck that's um that's a really good one um are unicorns real? That's another good one. Which is that um, So, I'll have to screenshot it and send it over to you. But yeah, it's just it's literally a little flick book about.
0: um, I'll find it and then I'll uh, put it in the show notes.
2: Put it in the link. Yeah, I'll I'll see. I'll see if I can do it. But yeah, our unicorns real. It's freaking funny. It really is. It'll it'll take you like three minutes to read on the toilet or something like that. You know, just put it in the bathroom. It's just a little book. Um, but it's absolutely hilarious. And then the other one, I actually bought it for my daughter. Nine thousand other things to do other than be on your phone. Wow. That's a great book. It's <laughs> brilliant. There are so many different things that people don't even think about, like jigsaws. Ah, when was the last time you did a jigsaw? I have. Exactly. It's brilliant. Go and do a jigsaw. It takes your mind off the world and around you and your social media and stuff like that. But yeah, 9,000 things to do other than look at your phone. It's a great one.
0: Are you reading a book currently?
2: Yes, I am. I read a book um, every night before I go to bed because I don't like TV or, or stuff like that. It nice and settles me and that kind of thing. And it's called The Chalk Man. Um, the Chalk Man. It's actually really good. It's just like one of those, you know, it's a, it's a trashy novel that you can read. And it's, you know, about a serial killer and stuff like that. It's just non-existent shit. It's something that you don't have to really pay attention to, but no. it's, it's still quite a good book. And I like the the FBI kind of thriller type stuff.
0: Any kind of relaxes you before you go to sleep, and they put your mind in a rest movement move place. Yeah, which is fantastic anyway. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy that.
2: And there's nothing really that good on TV past nine o'clock anyway. I don't
0: think I watch TV after nine o'clock. Actually, no. <laughs> I don't watch actual TV. TV for a few years. I'll, I'll probably watch a program on Netflix once in a while. That, like ne- currently, Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And football, and that's about it.
2: Yeah. See, I don't even do football.
0: This it's, it's got into football.
2: No, he doesn't do football
0: either. Oh, there'll be so many women listening to this now, wanting. To... I know, yeah. God, look at
2: that! What an amazing man. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: sorry. Oh
0: my Body guys, you better go and check him out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on before we go, Vicky, why don't you tell anyone, everyone where they can find you? Uh, so social media, website, anything that. you... Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. So um, you can find me everywhere and anywhere on uh, Tiny Titan or Vicky Masita, and uh, website is titan-coaching.com. If you want anything, advice, or just to kind of drop me a message to say great podcast, then uh, just please do so. You know, my DMs are are open once a day, so I'll always give them a check.
0: And I would suggest anybody who wants a real person that talks about stuff such as, you know, eating disorders, training in a real way to the real people, doesn't bullshit, doesn't sugarcoat anything, uh, probably the female version of me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I am like that too um you know we just we just want to see people succeed we want to we want people to have the right information Vicky's a person so you know go and follow up all the links in show notes i follow all of our pages anyway so i'll put everything on there and i would recommend you guys go and follow vicky and if you need to have a chat message her. i guarantee she'll respond back to you and she's a great person to know for sure thank you so vicky thank you so much for popping into um the podcast really yeah thank
2: you for having me on
0: We'll probably do it again because I know there's many fat, fat faces to you, not just what we talked about today. Sure. Um, and you are a very fascinating human being. Oh, thank you. You Appreciate are. It. You are. And hopefully, if I, either you come down to Leicester, to come to the hub, or I come up to you, maybe next time we can do a face-to-face one. Yeah, uh, that sounds good. Uh, either at the hub or wherever, and we can have a training session as well. Yeah, buddy. That's really cool. You you can help me on my bench. Of course, of course. And, um, <laughs> And I'll do some hypertrophy stuff with you.
2: <laughs> that sounds amazing. Sounds like a quality day.
0: Yeah, sounds, and, and then some nice food afterwards. Of course. Of course, goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Vic. It's been a pleasure. All right, take care. See you on the next one.
2: Bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs>